0: nights of the Well-Rounded Table aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, queen of those queries and defender of those droids. Today we are here to talk about one of the best droids in the entire galaxy, that true golden boy hero who is close to our hearts. That's right. Today we will be discussing C-3PO as well as the immeasurably talented Anthony Daniels, who portrayed the character since both of their first appearances in A
1: New Hope. And Sarah and Jeffrey, just a little quick fast fact to get us started. Anthony Daniels is the only actor, only actor, to appear in every single one of the nine Star Wars canonical films, as well as Television's Clone Wars, the movie Solo, and Rogue One. It's wild. And... It's wild. Including a non-C3PO role in Solo. He has a couple non-C3PO roles, which is kind of cool. Like, he finally got to get out of the suit. So, thanks to Jedi Knight Anders Drew, who won't be joining us today, but he'll be back. I was reminded of his cameo as Tack, the escaping slave on Kessel. Yep. So, you know, if we could get him on Mandalorian, you know, like maybe season two cameo, he'd have, like, every single TV series under his belt.
0: And before we dive in, though, let's meet the rest of our well-rounded table nerdy knights that we have here today.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Jedi Master and Rebel Scum collaborator Colleen McMillan. And the rebellion grows. We've got a newcomer to our ranks that is a great defender of droids and shaman for the Ewoks who worship in the Golden One's name. In the Ewok custom, we shall play for his story in all the crystals, you know, crystals, shells polished skulls, little ones, and other treasures our storytelling shaman is interested in, as established through Iwa custom, of course. Perhaps maybe some 3PO socks?
0: And with that wonderful preamble, why don't you introduce yourself, Jeffrey? Hello, hello. Welcome, Hi.
2: welcome. Hi. I'm Jeffrey Mulata. I am a reporter and a lawyer and a drama critic and a nonprofit communications professional and uh, a husband and father. And um, I have to acknowledge uh, my long history and friendship with Sarah. And uh, I just think it's so cool that we met in a Jedi Master Padawan uh, context uh, Very much you, so. You, right? Years yeah. ago, when um, our law school paired us together uh, so I could be your mentor on the Pennsylvania bar exam. And I feel like that whole summer when we met was a Jedi training exercise.
0: Montage, montage. Right? Montage. Montage, uh-huh. montage.
2: <laughs> on Dagobah. Um, and of course, you uh, trusted in the Force and uh, passed. And uh, I'm so proud of you, uh, yeah. my Padawan.
0: And both of us left the uh, Esquire Council in a matter of speaking, right? We,
2: like, soak it out of there as soon as we could. (laughs) Well, we uh, we didn't die. We joined the force.
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, um, is there anything else you kind of wanted to say, Jeffrey, as kind of an introduction for why you're here and what we're kind of doing here today.
2: Well, I'm just so thrilled and I can't wait for Anthony Daniels to see this. I'm so thrilled that you two um, are hosting a podcast exclusively devoted to, uh, you know, the most, uh, you know, neglected, unsung hero. Hashtag
0: blessed. Right. in in
2: In the in the galaxy, Goldenrod himself. And I just cannot wait to tell you why I have loved this character my whole life. Um, The day the Force brought us together in the most unexpected way. I'm uh, so excited. The unlikeliest of places, uh, uh, our hometown of, of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And tell you all about his new autobiography and, the uh, surprises and memories and treasures that it yields.
0: Perfect. Oh, and um, do you mind sharing what you do outside of being a guest on the BGS space cast blast?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned, I wear, um, I wear many hats, um, as a, uh, journalist here in, in the nation's capital, uh, as a lawyer, um, as a uh, drama critic, and uh, most important, as the chief storyteller for the Treatment Advocacy Center, a national mental illness yeah. nonprofit. Yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's wonderful. Thank you. Well, well, Colleen, how about you finish up our introduction so that we can I blast guess. off together?
1: All right, yep. We have to go over this every episode because we just have to. We run the gambit here in terms of rank, Jedi rank, from... We have youngling with Flo. We have a Padawan. We have a Jedi Knight. And we have a master, and now a co-master here. But no matter what your rank, one thing remains the same. Just like Dooku and Anakin, much to learn we still have.
0: And to set the stage, Jeffrey did an incredible interview with Anthony Daniels for the Pittsburgh Magazine in the winter of 2009. So in addition to his very incredible work, um, we'll be exploring C-3PO's character and taking a handful of questions that we got from our fellow BGS nerdy knights, which I'm always excited about. Mm-hmm. And to state the obvious as like one of our disclaimers that usually applies, this episode is filled with spoilers, especially with respect to his autobiography which i think is super cool so if you're looking for like a reason to buy the book this is probably a very good episode for that but i defer to jeffrey on that and so frankly if you haven't gotten a chance to watch any star wars that features this guy have you even been watching star wars so this video um in addition to spoilers to this wonderful character may contain some adult language i'll try to keep my F bombs in check, especially with Jeffrey here. So put your younglings to bed. Grab your absolutely favorite drink from the cantina so that you can prepare to relax and unwind as we engage your mind. And obviously, this time to kind of shake things up, I'm always here to ask questions, but so is Colleen specifically about Anthony Daniels and I can't wait to have our listeners have Jeffrey help us get to dive more deeply into this superb interview that he got to do. So, without further ado, Jeffrey is going to remember the Q and A to the best of his ability, and I think I'm ready to go. What about you two? Oh
1: yes, do it. Mm -hmm.
0: Perfect. So, kind of to set the stages like an appetizer, why don't we first talk about why 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 are we here today why exactly as jeffrey was talking about why elevate a character who has long since deserved elevation and perhaps dear listener you're wondering why am i saying these things and why was jeffrey saying these things and after we kind of understand that i want jeffrey to give us in reporter fashion the kind of who what where when why and how of why we are here today with respect to the interview so colleen why don't you kick us off on why we love this character?
1: Okay. Oh, 3PO. Uh, he, he was never my favorite Star Wars character, but I always liked him. I was always happy to see him on screen. Like, my, I would light up every time he came on. I was like, yes, 3PO's here. We're going to have some comedy. We're going to have some like whinging. It's going to be fantastic. And I think that says a lot for Daniels' performance, which is legendary. His performance is just fantastic. Not just the vocal work, but the physical work included. I like that he's different from the other characters. He really doesn't want to be there. (laughs) He he doesn't want to go on an adventure or to be daring like R2 does. He just wants to show off his language and diplomatic skills. And the etiquette skills too, of course, because he also has that down pat.
0: He really deserves to like retire at a pleasure palace where like delegates just always roll in on Uh a rolling basis so that he's always needed, but can like relax. He deserves that in retirement.
1: Exactly. Like relaxation for 3PO is doing all this protocol stuff that other people don't want to do. This is like his jam, his mode. He wants to be doing this. And for the most part in Star Wars, he doesn't get to do it. He gets dragged along on all of the adventures with everybody else. Um. Like my other favorite thing about him is that he does care about the people in his life, even though he seems like he's just along for the ride and is being tortured by the fact that they drag him places. Like worse, just or worst,
0: like like dragging Dra- in places is Making a very him, nice word for what happens. That's such a delicate his head on backwards.
1: Crazy. It's fine. Everything's yeah. fine for three pill. A lot of bad stuff does happen to three pill, but like. Him and R2 are are actually best friends. Like it's not just this weird relationship where it's like an odd couple kind of thing. Like they actually care about each other and love each other and would always be there for each other. Even though poor 3PO gets mind wiped a bunch of times. Yeah. R2 is always there to have his back.
2: He cares a great deal. You're so right about that. That's the beauty of his character and of Daniel's performance. It's so much more impressive when a hard man weeps or a cynical man cries, don't you think? Yes. Like Spock.
0: Yeah. We're told Vulcan,
2: right? We're told Vulcans don't feel emotion. Yeah. So when Spock lifts an eyebrow or cracks the tiniest smile or sheds a tear, we are deeply Moved.
0: Yeah. It's like it, a Finnish person smiling. And I can say that with my Finnish mother in law. Hello. You know, it's, it's, it's a subtle. It's a you're treasure. You're so right. It is. It is. Right? It is. It's a it treasure.
2: Is. Well put. Yes. And it's so exciting for us as the audience to detect, to see that momentary flash of humanity mm-hmm. on the face of a Vulcan or a droid. Mm -hmm. that universal humanity peeking out, right? I could also, as a five-year-old boy, uh, really relate to C-3PO. Daniels, in an interview with the Washington Post, recently described C-3PO as slightly prim, (laughs) (laughs) over-educated, over-didactic, preachy, who has got this tremendous vulnerability and no sense of humor. And that's kind of why we like him. I love him. Right? And I I agree with all of that. You know, the working title of Daniel's autobiography was going to be Telling the Odds, right? As in, never tell me the odds.
1: Yeah. And he knows how to do, let him do it.
2: Right. And as as a future lawyer, I have to tell you both, I could really relate to 3PO's sense of caution.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Everything's a risk. Everything Everything is is a risk.
2: He's always calculating the odds,
0: you know,
2: his and, and if I could be vulnerable with the two of you, please. anxiety. Yes. Anxiety. Yes. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. he possesses, um, Colleen intimated this before, you know, he possesses many skills Yeah. Many impressive skills, right? Um, You know, he's fluent in over six million forms of communication. Um, He's a master of etiquette and protocol. And you know what? Those skills are utterly incongruous to his present situation. Yeah. And that makes us pity him and laugh with him. Yeah. At the same time. But it's it's also and it's funny.
0: It's also wild because like on the one hand, it seems so like unable to connect, and yet Mm. he is the unifying connector of any different culture he is the gateway to deeper understanding a better understanding of the security and the risks and everything like so many different people tell him to be quiet when he's about to share something very pertinent that only someone from the planet would know i mean Mm -hmm. i don't want to cut you off jeffrey but one of the things that i loved Mm -hmm. about him is he he showed me Like, from a very early age, and I think a lot of creatives can look at Lucas's work as a creator as to, like, what was inevitably possible in my lifetime. Like, I knew, and I know that, like, computers now exist that can do some of the language that C-3PO can do, and I just looked at him like he was a gosh darn superhero, because... No matter what, he could figure out how to connect or identify something, whether or not people wanted to listen to him. He was like, he was literally the golden canary in every single dangerous situation. Like, please, can you listen to him for us? Yeah. You
1: told him to do something and he did it. And now he's like talking to the falcon or he's talking to an imperial computer. And he's trying to tell you what it's saying, and you're like, "Shut up!" And he's like, "But you, yeah, you told me. Like it's don't, don't harm the messenger.
0: Like he kind of has a,
2: he kind of has a a, a Cassandra complex. Yes, right. Yes, you know. Thank you. um, Say it. How maddening must it be to know the answers, (laughs) and have no one listen to you?
0: If only I could understand what that feels like. If only there were a current situation (laughs) that felt insurmountable where there was an expert or experts across the galaxy uniting to defeat the odds. I wish I could relate to that, but I guess I'll just have it
1: pictured philosophically in my mind. You just have to watch more Star Wars.
0: Yeah, you just have to watch more Star Wars. So I I guess, is there anything further on that kind of, hail to the chief here of C-3PO before we get to how did us three get here? Anything else we're kind of missing? Mm.
2: Well, you know, I think we can get into this in in greater detail. Um, But you, I think you said a minute ago, Sarah, that he's the gateway. Yeah. And I want us to talk about this later. There's a rich tradition in literature of having a relatable character be your guide, be the audience's entree. He's in the Nick or the Ishmael. He's the Nick Carrowing. and Exactly. Right. I love exactly. when people talk,
0: like if anyone dear listener is thinking, I'm not sure what they're talking about. I am with you. Uh, we are in this together. And if some of you are like, finally, some people are speaking. I'm like, <laughs> this yeah. is what this <laughs> is why we are here today. Mm-hmm. So why don't we get into this interview with Anthony Daniels and Colleen? What you were going to say? Why don't we save it for this yeah, point? Yes.
2: Let's come back. We're starting to get excited. Yeah, we're starting
0: to get excited. So, Jeffrey, why don't you start off with like, how and why did hmm. that even happen? Because to some of us, that seems akin to getting to interview a demigod, right? Like that shouldn't get to happen with someone that I the Ewoks, do, thing. surely, <laughs> yeah.
2: And right, the Ewoks, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that scene later because that's my favorite scene in the in the trilogy. Um, well, it you know, journalism is a wonderful profession with that little notebook. In my hand, I have gone into so many rooms that I could never have gone into otherwise, and met so many people, including heroes. Yeah, uh, you know, I would never have otherwise uh, met. And uh, so, I'll tell you the story. Um, it it kind of is an odyssey, uh, you know, unto itself. So, in the winter of 2008, I was at Carnegie Mellon University's Entertainment Technology Center. It's you know a fabulous place where. Art and drama meet tech
0: yeah.
2: and, and computers. Um, it's uh, like C.P. Snow's The Two Cultures, right? Yeah. Um, it's where the to-
0: smart, wild things go.
2: E- exactly, exactly. And I was there on assignment from Pittsburgh Magazine to interview Professor Don Marinelli, professor of drama, yeah. um, who along with the late Professor Randy Pausch had co-founded the ETC. And I don't know if either of you have ever been to the ETC, but it is not like no. any other college building, frankly, any building on this planet you've ever been to.
0: Paint us a picture with your words, story. I will.
2: So you walk into the lobby and you are immediately greeted by a life-size statue of C-3PO. Wild, right in Ooh. right in so. the lobby, <laughs> right exactly Wild? exactly, and um, when you then when you go up to the various floors, each floor is decorated with you know down to the smallest detail, like the set of some famous sci-fi movie or TV show. Wild. So there I was lost trying to find. Uh, Don Marinelli's office and I'm wandering a floor that looks exactly like a Borg cube with Borg recharging, right? (laughs) Scary, (laughs) scary, but exciting. You know, there are Borg charging stations, you know, everywhere. And, you know, for a moment, since nobody warned me this was going to be the case, I wasn't sure what planet I was on. Yeah. Uh, if I'd fallen into, into a worm, a because wormhole. Because you
0: know they have that there. Like, I actually know they have that there. Right? Yeah.
2: It was unbelievable. And I was lost. And I, and I couldn't find his office. And um, then I came across one mysterious office door. Every other office door had an official nameplate on it. This one had like a handwritten <laughs> rudimentary placard. And it said Anthony Daniels. And I thought, you nerds, you fabulous, beautiful nerds. This is an empty office and you have, you know, mock assigned it to the only actor ever to appear in all nine canonical films. Right, right, an homage, Yeah,
0: An homage, if you will.
2: So that's what I thought. But I'm also a reporter and I'm curious. So even though I was late, you ladies know what I had to do. You, you I,
0: have to, yeah. I
2: <laughs> had to knock on that door. So I knocked. Yeah. And then I heard the voice. <laughs> I heard the from the other side of the door on a random Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. in Pittsburgh. I've heard, heard
1: this before
0: and I'm getting chills. Nice. It doesn't even matter.
2: This is what I heard. Hello. How may I help you? (laughs) And the door opened, and there before me stood the most preternaturally thin man in his early 60s, totally fastidious, not a thing out of place, you know, um, with a bright smile, um, you know, beaming at me, hello, proper as a British butler. How may I help you? And I could feel the hairs on my arms, you know, lifting up a tingle, came over, you know, washed over my whole body. And this is what I said without thinking. I said, you can start by shaking my hand and then telling me what the hell you're doing.
1: The chutzpah, I love in it. Pittsburgh. He's like, oh my.
2: Yeah. And, um, right. And, um, he and he 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 laughed and he asked me who I was and what I you know what I was doing here and I said I'm lost, I'm on my way, to try and find, you know Professor Don Marinelli, and he said to me, I'm just I do the I'm just finishing up a phone call, and he said to me as soon as I'm finished, I will join you, in the professor's office. So I will great. meet you there. So I what a off, hero! Right. So I go to I go to the to the room and I meet with Marinelli and uh, you know we've started the interview, you know for the other, for the other assignment and then in walks C three P O. Right in walks my childhood idol. I had a C three P O themed birthday at the Jewish Community Center oh when I was five. Uh, my father, my late father, who was a, a an artist like Sarah. Yeah, uh, and also a medical doctor, but he was a fabulous artist. He painted this enormous C3PO uh, poster out of the C3PO cake. Anyway, so in walks my hero. And I kid you not, the sun is setting. This hot <laughs> copper, hot copper sun is setting. It is melting into the it's, Monongahela River.?: the music. <laughs> Yes. It is melting into the Monongahela River behind us. Daniels crosses over us to the window, looks outside with this contemplative gaze and he says, reminds me of Tunisia, 1976. And he begins, suesponte, on his own, he begins to regale us with tales from the set in Tunisia, 1976. He proceeds to tell us these things, which I cannot tell you, which were off the record, like, to dish to give his most intimate uh, yeah. thoughts on each of his co-stars, you know. Um,
0: if you, not- and I'll just say, if you want to come on, dear sir, dear great one, and dish a little bit, you know what? If you only tr- yes. trust Jeffrey, we can right. make this work, people. We can right. make this work. So I'm, oh. I'm putting it back out there. I'm putting it in the galaxy. Sure. Help- C-3PO, you're our only help.
2: <laughs> well, when we talk about the book later on, I will tell you that one of the things he confided in me was in the book. Yeah. So I can finally can tell say the that story of incredible. the cast member he did not get along with.
0: Oh, so, good. Uh, okay. We, will, we have that. We have that. We will
2: okay. get We will get to that. Um, but, you know, like a good reporter, you know, I never burn my sources and it was off the record. So, you know. Yeah, that's a
0: bring. That's a bone right? cap but moment right there. Don't so, burn your sources. Report. Never.
2: Never. Uh, and so then this wild thing happens. I realize that um, I'm loving all this, but I'm here. I have a job to do. I'm being paid to interview Marinelli. And right. so then I do the unthinkable. I have to like shoo my hero out of the room. Right? Because <laughs> I have a job to do. I uh, had to tell C3 you better to be quiet. What right. a Greek,
0: what a Greek-worthy quest. Right?
2: I have to telegraph to him that I I'm loving this, but you know, I I have a job to do. Yeah. And um so he leaves. And I get nothing. I get nothing on the record that, that I can use. I have nothing, you know, but this encounter. So I go home and um, I call one of my, my best friends from Pittsburgh, another lawyer, Ryan Tutera. And I tell him and Ryan says to me, you are the worst journalist I have ever known. <laughs> You let.
0: That's a good friend.
2: Yeah, right? It's yes. because of him that I ended up getting That's what here. I'm saying, it's too. All because true, of friends,
0: true friends tell true, true hard true truths. True friends stand
2: up to you, right? Yep, yep. And, You know, as Dumbledore says, it takes courage <laughs> to stand up to, you know, your enemies, but more courage to stand up to your friend.
0: We don't right? even prompt this stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? It's, it's true.
2: So, Tutera tells me, you know, gosh, you are the worst reporter I know. You've you got to have an exclusive. You know he's here. No one knows he's here. I've never read the story that Marinelli, or excuse me, that the Daniels is an adjunct professor of drama at the ETC, you know, and you have this and, um, you know, you get your ass back in there. That's what yeah. he said to me. And you, you get that interview. That's great. So I call the vice president of communications for Carnegie Mellon University and I throw myself at the mercy of the court. At his mercy. <laughs> and I tell him, you know, here's the situation. We have an exclusive, you know, I know you're helping me do this, You know, this other story, but you gotta get me, you gotta get me Daniels. Yeah. He says, I will try my hardest, but you need to know something. You need to know that tomorrow at two o'clock he's on a US Airways flight back to London. So So it's tomorrow. It's so bizarre. Either the force is gonna be with you or not. So he um so he promises me that he will he will reach out to Daniels and we'll see what happens. And so then uh I go to Codoba and I get a burrito.
1: As you, as you do. As
2: you do. And I'm sitting in my bachelor pad, uh, eating a burrito by myself. A few minutes later, and my phone rings. Yes. And I don't recognize the number and I pick up the phone. And I. this is what I hear. Hello. I'm told you want to interview me. My heart, again, my heart is pounding. And it's...
0: I'd be so it's C-3PO. Excited, yeah. It's what, Anthony Daniels. What an honor. What, an what honor. a
2: mensch. What a honor. mensch, as we yeah, say in, in, in our tradition. Um, he says to me, I'm on this flight back to London in the early afternoon, but if you can be at my office at the Entertainment Technology Center at noon, on the dot, you've got your exclusive interview. Well, I won't be there. Right? <laughs> and, um, of course, yeah. I say yes. Um, but... Problem is, I have a day job. I'm not. I'm not a full time reporter at this stage in my life. Um, you know, I'm doing it on the side. I have a full time job as assistant assistant district attorney of at Allegheny <laughs> County. I'm a prosecutor, and uh, I have. He's a, a Jedi. I have like twenty cases. Right. Where? Yeah. Yeah, right. You're right. Exactly. I'm the Jedi. I'm the protector. <laughs> um, and um, I have. Like twenty cases in front of Judge Rangos, because
0: uh, that's how it works, folks. Yes, when you're young, yeah, that's when you're, the young, secret. Yeah, that's you're the a secret. young
2: assistant DA, and you've got a, you've got like a stack of files this high. And um, so, to make a long story short, um, basically, like the Rebel Alliance, the city of Pittsburgh has to pitch in, and all these different people to have to work together. This whole assemblage of people has to come together and help me like the community, like a good community, right? Yeah, a rallying so, cry. That's right. So they, the, the community rallies behind Star Wars and Anthony Daniels. The judge agrees to the exclusion of every other lawyer that day. She agrees to call each one of my cases in order. Wow. First. Wild. The deputy district attorney of Allegheny County, Bruce Beamer, he agrees that <laughs> if my cases hold over to the after, afternoon. If there are so many that I can't dispose of all of them before noon, he will personally try them himself. Wild. He said to me, hey, this is Star Wars. This is C-3PO.
0: That's I, what I'm talking I, about. You're going to get again, yeah. Anthony, you are seen, yep. sir. You
2: are seen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and so they, they all make it happen. And uh, so because of them, because of that teamwork, because of the community, all these people pitching in, I make it. I make it right on, the t- right on time. I mean, like, on the dot. Okay. And uh, he gives me 90 minutes. He gives me 90 minutes. 99. And, you know, um, too many highlights Star. to share. But one of the things he tells me right off the bat that I think is so fascinating is that he never wanted to be in Star Wars. Yeah. He looked, he turned his nose up at Star yeah, Wars.
1: It's, it's cheesy well,
2: sci-fi. Yeah. That's what he was afraid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a couple years out of theater school in London, you know, drama school, mm-hmm. and he had just started in RNG in Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern.
1: Exactly. I he knew had you two would hit it off. What <laughs> okay.
2: wonderful preparation for oh this role. God. He had just started in RNG. And, you know, um, Mm. and he didn't want to be in sci-fi. In fact, and I couldn't believe this when he told me, he walked out of Stanley Kubrick's (laughs) sci-fi epic 2001 Space Odyssey.
1: And
2: that's fair.
1: That's that's (laughs) a little boring. (laughs) No. It's beautiful. It's beautiful and cinematic. Yeah. There are parts where it's like, hell, get Get your ass in gear. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's Jeffrey, yes, he's being polite beautiful. right now. I
2: agree to disagree.
1: Yeah, that um, was the most I, polite is, way it's of, one of my, my most. no way. It's one of my favorite Kubricks, for sure. There are just parts for me. I appreciate it more now that I'm older. The first time I saw it, I me was too. like a tween. I'm sure I was like 12 or 13. And to make a teenager try and watch that movie. Like, I hear you. But then I, I watched it again when I was older, and I'm like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. The music exactly. is just like, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's where
2: it started with, with him saying, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to do it. Um, and, you know, the moment he saw on the wall, and he went to Lucas's office in London. Um, the moment he saw the early conceptual art, you know, sketches of C-3PO on the wall, He said he was like in a trance. He was drawn like a tractor beam, you know, was pulling him straight to um, the image. And he just peered at it, you know, peered into it. And, you know, (laughs) and he was, and he was sold. Um, So that was one of the revelations. Um, He, um, he also told me that, um, you know, while he had, you know, fantasies of being a serious actor, um, he is incredibly grateful to Lucas because Star Wars has kept him employed Mm. continuously since 1976 and, you know, bought him a home in London and in the south of France. And and it's, you know, he talked about the business of acting and how unstable it is. And, you know, what a gift to be employed and be able to practice your craft, you know, um, without interruption, you know, uh, over these decades and Wild. decades. Um, and this was another surprise. He stood up for Jar Jar Binks, not for the character, the but actor. for the actor, who he said was a terrific Ahmed, actor.
1: Ahmed yeah.
2: He's just, fantastic.
1: His exactly was insanely good.
2: That was so, that was interesting. And um, he also had um, some really good advice for actors. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. He told me that his best piece of advice for aspiring actors is be on time. Be professional. And that immediately separates you, uh, you know, from the, you know, from the pack. Yeah. The divas.
0: Uh, I think right. Gofferman says something similar. And I feel like at a recent award show, that was also brought up in one mm-hmm. of the key speeches. I'm blanking on who the person was though. Just be on time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's, good advice. it's great. It's great advice. and mm-hmm. It was profession. like
0: respect yourself and your coworkers enough that yeah. you all are on time, which right. I thought that was very lovely to say.
1: Especially if you have to shoot for
2: 12
0: hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. And he practiced that kind of professionalism, uh, you know, on set being trapped in, you know, 60 pounds of, you know, metallic, you know, armor having to, you know, eat through a, uh, straw. And as what? you look, as you learn in the book, having to deal with, um, a bad director, um, in episode six, um, mm. you know, who was, uh, apparently, uh, you know, rude to the actors, out of his element. You know, oh, really no. difficult to work with. Um, and uh, in yeah. Jedi, Return in,
0: uh, of the Jedi.
2: Yes, Richard Mark Mark Look at
0: Colleen's face. This is news. I was like, yes, yes,
2: yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you learn in the in the book that Harrison Ford was particularly incensed <sighs> to read that the director of Return of the Jedi uh, said that uh he uh the director had helped Ford discover his character. Uh yeah. So solo uh,
1: is Harrison Ford. I mean
2: right, right, exactly.
1: And so, Anthony Daniels is three PO like, no.
2: <laughs> Daniel's the you know the, shocked Daniel's the consummate professional, you know, practicing what he preaches.
0: Wow, we well, I think this is a good place unless Colleen, you have any other questions about kind of the Genesis Odyssey story, right?
1: Of why we oh, ended just, up like, blown being away. here. I'm just yeah. sitting here like, what? So why <laughs> if that were to we... happen with me and Sam Witwer, I would die. You <laughs> just have real? to go
0: to a Comic-Con. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Go to a Comic-Con, buy a ticket, be a nice, calm human. That literally cool. yeah. it, it cuts cool. you in the top 10%. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> I need to go to a con. But before we travel to a con and meet Sam and Anthony, because they both go to the same convention and make all of our days, why don't we talk about this character's importance in the story? And I kind of want all of us to reflect, but Colleen, why don't you kind of go first and then Jeffrey and I'll follow up with who C-3PO is as a character. And then also I very much agree with Jeffrey and Colleen. I would be surprised if you don't agree as well, but that's sometimes the fun of this, whether or not C-3PO is a storyteller and frankly, almost a stand in for us bearing witness to the star Wars narrative. So Colleen, why don't you get cracking on probably the first one, but feel free to choose any and all three. And
1: when we'll sure, sure. That off, I know we've talked a little bit about this already, his importance just as a character, being the stand-in, being the audience avatar, being the one who's like, I'm not special. I don't have, I'm not a princess. I'm not a hot smuggler. I don't have the force. I'm just a droid with a job who really wants to do that job, but I can't. (laughs) Instead, I get to go freaking crawling all over this desert planet, getting dust and sand in all of my joints, (laughs) <laughs> it's so perfect and true. And no one cares until I mean, just like calamitous events over and over and over again for yeah. poor 3PO. And I think a lot of people would actually behave this way if they were thrust Super. into an adventure. Super. People like to believe that they're going to be Luke or they're going to be Han or they're going to be Ahsoka. And it's like. Check what you're us, doing right now. Most of us are probably going to be 3PO. Yeah, Or, like, the random bystander on Tatooine who doesn't have any idea what's going on. Yeah. Like the rebellion was pretty small. Or we'd be part of the Empire. Like, let's be real. Yeah. We'd either be, like, a loyal citizen, Imperial person, or we'd be, like, 3PO, watching the events happen. But also just... relaying the events that happen and helping. Like, he's helpful. He yeah. just is not... Empowered in any way, and as a droid too, he's really not empowered. Mm-hmm. He walks into the cantina on in Mos Eisley, and immediately are turned away, probably because of droid prejudice from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. The Separatists use mm-hmm. the the droids as their army, Great so of course point. some of the worlds aren't going to be super happy about <laughs> droids of any sort. But he's he's used to it, though. He's like, yeah, luca uh, Master Luke, I'll just go wait outside so sad it's It's so so sad sad. it's it's like he knew it was gonna happen he knew it was gonna come and he's like you know i'll just go wait outside but yeah he's important as that kind of audience stand-in to be like you know what this is what most of us would be doing (laughs) and being like no one's listening to me
0: yeah seriously we have these times where we like spout off about the unfairness of not being listened to. But at the end of the day, if there are unfair rules, most of us will just shuffle along and just mm-hmm. try to make it until the next task that we hopefully can fulfill exactly. and be seen for fulfilling. Exactly. How about, how about you, Jeffrey? What do you think?
2: I agree with everything Colleen said. I mean, he's just trying to survive in a violent, mm-hmm. turbulent, uh, fantastical, overwhelming world. Yeah. And he does it through you know his facility with language. Mm-hmm. Um and even more important, you know, he does it with heart. He does it with friendship. Um I find it I think one of the most moving scenes in the trilogy is when Artu Dito is uh, is scored by laser fire and you know charred um, after you know the the battle the battle above the Death The Yavin. The Yavin. Battle? The Yavin battle. Exactly. <laughs> and C-3PO says, "Take my body parts. Yeah. Take me. You mm-hmm. know. Um, <laughs> I'm start you know. Really <laughs> yeah. I'm I would gladly donate." my parts to save him. Um, You know, I love that. And as you said, he is the Nick from The Great Gatsby. You know, he is our guide, um, our entree, our frame of reference to this completely over-the-top world. I dare say the movie, Star Wars... uh, a New Hope would not have worked no. if yeah, it had no. opened up no. on the heroes and not the droids. But, you know, I notice everyone the that the first words in the film are spoken by yeah. the droids. It's the
1: very first dialogue. They're the
2: they're, That's the dialogue, first dialogue. Those are the people mm-hmm. um, we meet. And I want to say something that might be a little controversial. Do little
0: it. Little that's what we hot, do here. A little this bit of a the hot take. take. It's yes. a little bit
2: of a hot take in the Star Wars world, but I cannot talk to a fellow Star Wars fan without being asked, you know, what is your lightsaber color exactly? And, I didn't
0: even need you to say it somehow. Right? I knew. Right, <laughs> And,
2: you know, I always feel pressure to talk about, you know, what, um, you know, what handle I think, you know, is the coolest or the most elegant Joe, yeah, it's your gear, man. Hukus, 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 your gear. Uh, totally, Dooku's is Kirk elegant kills, as fuck. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and what you know? What you know? Color? You know? I would you know love to have gold. Um, naturally, C three PO. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the truth, as you two were you know were intimating later earlier, you know the truth is, um, you know I don't think I would be a Jedi in this world. I think I would be much more akin. C-3PO, and, um, you know, I think that he is the relatable one, not the hero. And yeah. although it is a hero's journey and Luke does change, you know, and so does, you know, Aragorn from, you know, from, from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Aragorn, you know, um, changes from, from Strider into Aragorn and Luke changes from the yeah, farm boy into the Jedi Knight. <laughs> but let's, let's just finally put this out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, they change, but they they start out and they remain the princes of the universe. Right. Eric birthright, Strider's yeah. birthright. Is yeah. To,
0: Hold king. on. I have to. I have to wind up my violin here. Now you can go. There <laughs> Thank
2: you. you. Very Aragorn's birthright is to be the king, to sit on the throne of men in, on, Min- on Minas Tirith, right? Exactly. And Luke's birthright yeah. is to be the knight of the galaxy, you know? Yes. You know but, um, you know, C-3PO starts out with none of those advantages of yep. DNA or... He minicuris. was built
0: by a slave child exactly. to, help, keep, to yeah. help run things. I
1: mean... Exactly. Huh.
2: But really he well is built. a hero.
1: Well built. He is a hero.
2: But he is a hero. He is. Absolutely. And he, as much as anyone else, you know, saves our heroes and saves the galaxy. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But in episode six, um, you know, on the forest mood of Endor, when our heroes have had it and they've reached their lowest point and they are bound and captive and they've come to their end, it is C-3PO, the storyteller, who saves yep. the day. Mm-hmm. and i'm going to i'm going to
0: say something i i don't know what i want to call it but i i want us to like change the name for hot take like no we're just mm. taking good ideas off of ice and like airing mm-hmm. them out
1: for f- taking t- them oh. out of cryostasis
0: yeah so here's one out of cryostasis so i was watching the very last most recent movie rise of skywalker right mm-hmm. and i was thinking you know sometimes with these movies what you need to do is look at it from just a slightly different point of view and see if it still slaps. And here's the thing, folks. Ray is not the only one who has chosen the Skywalker name. She allegedly chose it. But, like, who actually is an original Skywalker? Who actually rises to the challenge? I am talking about C-3PO. R2-D2 helps out. But even the introduction that talks about a dark Sith, sinister language, like when all is dark and dire, there's like one voice who rings out. And to Jeffrey's point about sacrificing his body, he does this with his mind and his spirit too Mm. by saying, take everything. I will no longer exist. All I need is one last look at my friends. Friends who like just a moment ago were totally (laughs) negging on me, but- who, who I know do care about me and I mm-hmm. care about them. So I just, I think he truly is an understated golden child of the Star Wars narrative. And if we were more kind and progressive and rebellious, maybe we'd actually free the droids instead of trying to normalize them or realizing it's not even us up to us to free. We just have to stop being complacent in the narrative, which at least, at least, and this gets into a master and apprentice. So, so I'll hold, I'll hold that for that. But, but I, I love what you guys are both talking about of this avatar for us because come on, come on. He, he is the closest to us. And I would say R2D2 with without the memory wipes is much more of a veteran individual who has yes. retained the whole story and C-3PO remembers what he can. I wonder if in the last movie, R2-D2 restores everything, everything, not just the most right. recent
1: update. I wonder. R2's got a lot of stuff knocking around in that brain. I'm sure yeah. he's got 3PO's memories in there. I Cause wonder. he's just pretty nonchalant about whenever somebody says wipe, wipe the protocol shorts, brain and Archie's like bye do,
2: do, see yeah, you again you in a bit I'm not if he doesn't because you know to uh, paraphrase Dickens it's a far far better thing I do than I have ever done before a far better resting place I go to right he yeah. he makes the ultimate sacrifice for his friends the way Spock does in yep. in Star Trek too. And um, <laughs> it's so, so moving yeah. that um, look at the lessons he absorbed of humanity. Maybe C-3PO, the droid, was more human than we ever gave him credit for.
1: I they're way That's- more sentient than people. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how about since
0: this is starting to get to stuff for later down, why don't we make a little quick comparison between Star Wars and Game of Thrones, and Jeffrey, I'm going to let you take this away because this was another kind of nod to what we're talking about here that you had reached out to me about earlier today.
2: Well, I think Colleen said it, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, um, but you know, he he plays a really important role in that he is the keeper of memory. You know, he is the, you know, he is the, you know, the storyteller and, um, you know, that's why, you know, just the way that, you know, that Bran is in in Game of Thrones. And, um, you know, that's why it's just so awesome in episode six when he... Um, in a very meta way, he tells the story of Star Wars in Star Wars. You know, he recapitulates the whole tale. And um, it is, um, it's so meta because as he tells the story and the Ewoks um, are all gathered around him, all these families, different generations, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a stand-in for the universal power of myth, of a myth-like, of a myth-like Star Wars. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's so important that yeah. you see that it's storytelling that changes the relationship between our heroes and the Ewoks. It, it turns the Ewoks from their captors to yep. their comrades. Right. From foe into friend.
1: Right. That kind of works in um one of the Heir to the Empire trilogy books, also, when he's talking to the Nogri children. He's like having a little history lesson with them, and Leia's like, whoof, I hope she... he's not saying that Vader is the villain. But <laughs> I think that also really works in their favor. The Nobri are like, oh, this droid, he's like hanging out with our kids. Excellent. Like, yes, yes he's actually teaching them. So he, he's a bridge builder.
2: Yeah. A bridge builder. He's exactly. really
1: good at just this interpersonal kind of thing. And people take don't take it. Like no. They're like, oh 3 po
2: He can do that? Oh. Right. And yes. look how much look how much emotion, <laughs> emphasis, dynamics, theatricality he mm-hmm. brings to mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the different voices and sound effects, you know, that he that he does. Uh, you know, it's a it's a masterful um performance by a very uh feeling emotive uh actor it's not robotic in any no. way
0: yeah and, and can you can right? you get could you explain that like one more time or rephrase it just a little bit more clearly when it comes to the sound effects that you're talking about like hit us hit us even further with the braggadocious subpart can you describe it further for us
2: well, um, Colleen, help me out here, but I, he, you know, he, I oh recall. yeah, sorry,
1: Jeffrey, sorry, does like blaster fire this and he blast- does faders,
2: Vader's fire, Vader's, Vader's exactly. That's right. Um, he can
1: do every part of the story, basically, he can do every character because he ever. can cool use cool. other people's voices. Like, he can, I see, exactly. I see, he I see I, see, I see, I see, Okay, exactly. he's just he's so emotive when he does that scene, and you can tell mm-hmm. the Ewoks are just like,
0: Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. okay, whoa, yeah, so like, I was like, Wait, They're we
2: hugging saying? each other, they're yes. on the edge of their seats, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's us. Even R2 is like, Whoa, yeah, and now <laughs> I'm gonna blow your minds for a second, I think that kind of like the movie galaxy quest that moment is one of the greatest nods and greatest statements on fandom yeah in film history that Uh is the return of the jedi acknowledging that we are the ewoks how much Uh pleasure we get out of this tale and how it binds us with different generations um i mean how how many of us saw oh, growing it. up with our older siblings, with our parents, right? And also um, how it binds people across cultures. Who is in the room in that hut for that story? It is, you know, it is Han Solo. It is, um, it is Leia. It is Luke. It is all these Ewoks, people born on all these different plants from these different species. Yeah. And what is the common Truly. denominator? <laughs> storytelling. Right. That they right. love stories, that they are moved story by stories. Storytelling is they very learn powerful,
1: mm-hmm. right. which is another thing we learned from Star Wars, that the Jedi can't really be eradicated from the universe, no matter how hard Palpatine tries to suppress it, because the power of myth and the power of story makes sure that they will never completely disappear. And 3 is just another great vehicle for that, just because cool. he has these stores of memories and
2: stories that he can draw from, like
1: well, Colleen, what are
2: Yoda's dying words Ugh. to his what are his dying words to his apprentice? Pass on what, what you have learned. Yeah. You're not complete as a Jedi, he says, if you hoard this power. Right. And if you You're do not teach you have it, to teach. You have to teach. That's the last step in the hero's journey. Yeah. And it's all about so it's all about swords.
1: That's why right, here final,
2: Yoda finally comes through. <laughs>
0: Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tease Colleen a little bit because you'll, Jeffrey, you'll appreciate this from the reporter standpoint. But, but it comes to sharing knowledge. So Colleen, <laughs> all she does is like pre-release information, like as much as possible. Fa- as, like I actually merged the words right because it's as much as possible as fast as possible with respect to like another series on a character study we're doing with Ezra Bridger. Mm-hmm. And so someone had asked like, "Oh, well where could we get like the rest of the essay that you're mm-hmm. going to be covering?" And of course she drops it. We have three more parts to go. And like and I didn't like even the, think. I was like, "All right." <laughs> it be it becomes like a Sith versus jedi assuming we can only have those two archetypes argument of like do we hoard the knowledge until it's the best time to release it Mm. or do we set it free as c3po would and tell it as widely as possible as best as possible even if we stumble along the way doing so because stories need to be told And so I think maybe since stories need to be told, there was what, one other insert that you wanted to share Jeffrey from a book and, or is this now where we can move on to topic four, where we talk about C3PO and R2D2 both on and off screen?
2: Well, I think talking about the book would be perfect now.
0: Let's do that. Let's do Uh, that first.
2: Revelations from, from the story, from, uh, from, from Anthony Daniels story. And, uh, I was telling you both um, before we started that it's hard to 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 know where the character of C3PO ends and, and Daniel's uh, begins. Um, in In the book, he is very conversational, confessional, vulnerable about how often he felt underappreciated. And neglected the actor, and I, I, I learned some things that I didn't even know, despite interviewing him for ninety minutes. That um, he, you know, that he was he felt cut off from the other actors because it was so hard to get him in and out
1: mm. of
2: that heavy suit in the desert, and that even though he adored Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, and they were a group. Um, you know, they were the Americans and he was the Brit and there were times, you know... Um, a true
0: language barrier yes, you know, of sorts, of right?
2: sorts. Of sorts, exactly, that they kind of had a shorthand that, you know, that he didn't. But then he, you know, he told these stories that made me feel for him so much that um, when the movie came out, um, that the studio um, kind of cons- conspired, um, was quite happy to let the public believe that there was no actor in that suit. They didn't want to, you know, break the illusion. And so they didn't promote his performance. Um, I'm and, like chewing
0: on my lip. That makes me so right? anxious. Yeah, and, not, you know, he's I'm such a talented
2: mm-hmm. mime, trained mime, an actor, and Brought so much humanity to a very limited, difficult situation. You know, he mm-hmm. was the one who came up with three POs, geisha-like shuffle. The the it was his idea to make him uh, seem like a um, a a servant, yeah, a, a servile. subservient, yeah. servile. You know, British um, butler. Um, you know, he, key
0: characteristics, key right. traits that are recognizable.
2: Exactly. And he tells this actually um, by turns um, pitiable and hilarious story about being a presenter at the Academy of Awards that year and losing his badge, losing his credentials, and having an armed security guard want to arrest him. <laughs> as an yes. And well, him saying, you know, I'm in Star Wars. I played, oh, no. the, I played the golden robot oh, and not being believed and having to escape on an elevator to avoid being arrested prior to walking out on stage outrageous. to perform, you know, at the at the Oscars. Oh. Um you know, so uh you know, all, all kinds of interesting, you know, um revelations. Um There. Oh, and also, you know, he talked about how annoyed he is when people think that he was only cast because, as I said, he is preternaturally thin. Um, And yes, he is naturally thin and he can fit in that costume, but. you know. That's he, not enough. That is not a, enough. You know? <laughs> not to play that character. like Not to play that character, you know, exactly. Cool. And there's something else that I want to talk about. Um, yes, please. Uh, from the book that actually circles back to my interview with him. Um, circle I didn't back. know until I read <laughs> the book, uh, right? The circle is complete. Yes. I didn't know until I read the book that um, many people have because the autograph business is now a commercial, you know, big business. Mm-hmm. Over the years, many people have tried to counterfeit his autograph. And that Wild. one day the FBI called him and asked him to testify as an expert witness in a forgery trial. And um, he was shown his signature, uh, you know, on the witness stand and, um, and proved that it was a fake and now I feel so much more blessed that at the end of my interview, I presented him with a book to sign. And I thought so hard about the book. The book is by Lee Gottkind um, and of Pittsburgh, and it's called "Teaching Robots to Think." Perfect. And it's a nonfiction book about the mm-hmm. robotics program at Carnegie Mellon University. Perfect. Um, right, Gottkind, you know, went. Um, you know, immersed himself, um, mm-hmm. embedded within that program to write this book. Daniels was That's so That's like some tickled. touring
1: stuff there. That's
2: yeah. And, yes. and Daniels was so tickled when I presented this book to sign and he signed it. And I have it on my bookshelf. To Jeffrey, yours in the force, mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels, C-3PO. And uh, so, I, <laughs> so, so Anthony, if you're watching, I will never sell your autograph. It is it is precious to mm-hmm. me, as yeah, Dolan, Dolan would say. Uh, and one day I hope to pass it on to. Uh, yeah. To my son.
1: Aww. Oh, perfect. My gosh, that's so good. Well, oh, I. What a gem.
0: Love that. Yeah. I think there was one little tidbit with respect to. We had talked about the C3PO R2D2 storytelling. I feel like they are the iconic duo in some ways. And I know this will sound like a take it off of ice take, but in some ways more iconic than the Jedi, more iconic than Han and Leia, because you can look at an image of either C-3PO or Mm R2-D2 and know precisely what this
1: is yep. with Even any silhouettes
0: you can yeah with any other character besides maybe
1: maybe leia with the character.
0: with the buns right, the yeah buns. It, there is nothing that like if you go to another country i'm saying that would um would immediately snap and translate but maybe i'm wrong i don't know i haven't pulled this but that's just the sense and the force that i get with yes. that opinion what do you highly think? recognizable
1: definitely
2: not just that instantly funny there's something about that mismatched pair that laurel and hardy you know you know the one is you know tall and lanky and the other one is short and squat and just you know there it's immediately you know funny and time tested as a comedic yes. you know device mm-hmm. um But, you know, as you said, um, their friendship, their relationship, all that they survive, I mean, they are the picture of resilience, those two. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that I think makes them so human, how they survive in this alien, violent galaxy without laser swords, without the force, without the Millennium Mm -hmm. Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. Just, oh, yes. With just their wits about them and their, oh, yes. and their friendship. Um, R2 and their... is so
1: manipulative. <laughs>
2: <Right>? <laughs> R2 well, is everyone wrapped around his finger. <laughs> R2 is Odysseus, Colleen, mm. right? He is the clever one. He is the trickster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he um, is. Resourceful yes. and inventive, right? Mm-hmm. Creative. <laughs> creative, right? He mm-hmm. finds creative ways to get out of jams. That's Kirk that's Odysseus. Yeah. These are yep. timeless characters. But then you need a,
1: a straight man. You need the spark.
2: And you need the comedic straight man, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, yeah. and you, right. We're talking about Laurel and Hardy. Because
1: and otherwise they wouldn't work if Abad it was and only Costello. one. Exactly. Because one of them, it would be fine still, but it wouldn't work as well. Yeah. Exactly. Wouldn't be as endearing either, just mm-hmm. because that close-knit friendship between right. such opposites right. is always really intriguing.
0: Now did Daniels. Lewis,
1: that's another oh, yeah. example. Did, mm-hmm.
0: did Daniels talk at all in the book about their working relationship at all?
1: <laughs> Kenny Baker. Oh, this is the story I've been sitting on. I was gonna for,
2: say I was like, I can't wait, I'll bet it's Archie. <laughs> this is the story I've been I've been sitting on for over a decade. I'm just
0: wondering
2: if uh, Daniels couldn't stand up. him. Daniel uh Daniels couldn't stand um, Kenny, Baker. Kenny Baker. There's no love loss there. Um <laughs> And uh, I just Watson made the,
1: it made acting. the acting even better, though. I'm yes. sure because right. that antagonism was there. Right, but they were um, in it together; like they were both in these awful yeah, costumes.
2: They were. Um, so you know he he talks about this in the book, and uh, I'll try not to get too x rated. Um, no, we talk, we're fine. You know, my, we're we don't mind. We're on the adult channel. This now. is like so, yeah, we've
0: been actually very gentle tonight. <laughs>
2: The sense that I get is that Kenny Baker um, was, you know, a little bit nasty, a little perverse, um, a little kinky. Um, Apparently Baker, Kenny Baker um, had this idea that he kept pitching to Anthony Daniels that they should capitalize on their stardom and travel the world uh, hooking up with female fans, with chicks. That they should uh, use their their powers That's very R2-D2. Groupies. Right?
1: Get some droid groupies. Right,
2: exactly. Yes. Uh, Or Anthony Daniels is like... Daniels was mm. not um, much of a fan. He did really get along well with Sir Alec Guinness. Shocking. This is a lovely little story. (laughs) So Sir Alec Guinness actually got this big, fat monster per diem. Mm, On the set, like Mm -hmm. fistfuls of money. And he gave it to young Mm. Anthony Daniels. And so he's
1: like, you're an up-and-coming Shakespearean coming
2: You're an up-and-coming actor. I care about you and your career. British. And he felt the same way about Harrison Ford. And the three of them would go out to dinner, and Alec and would regale them with tales of, from his career, but also That's ask lovely. them tons of questions about their future. He really cared about their future. That's a good you dude. Know? And you that know. is so Obi-Wan-like. That's so... That's lovely. Uh, Mench-like in Jedi. So So I don't want you to get you the sense, I don't want you to get the sense that Daniels was misanthropic or misanthropic or antisocial, but it's an irony. And what's misanthropic, Jeffrey? That he hates his fellow man. Okay, thank you. Thank you. No, he just didn't
1: care for Kenny Baker.
2: He just ironically did not get along with Didn't want to screw random chicks. I
1: mean, that's fair.
2: Yeah. That's Wonderful.
1: Sure.
0: Well, is there anything further from the interview or Colleen that you have for Jeffrey? Because I think we're about to dive into our Master and Apprentice, unless there's something mm. I'm still missing that we haven't touched on above. Jeffrey, while Colleen's thinking,
1: I'm always intrigued from- about just like what people read for Star Wars. Like, did, oh, are that's you, a, yeah, were that's you a Legends reader or EU Expanded Universe reader or are you more canon reader? I am recently, just very recently, getting into the books. Like last year, maybe like last winter, just started reading the
2: books. So um, I will, I will tell, I will answer your question with a story. So um, I was when I was eighteen. I was a summer camp counselor in Pittsburgh, and it um, there was a torrential downpour one day, and my second graders couldn't do anything. They couldn't swim they couldn't play outdoors they were trapped in the pool area all day and i happened to have the novelization of empire in my backpack and um i gathered the kids around and they all sat in a circle kind of like you three po'd them i three po'd <laughs> them kind of like the Equal kids and i for the for the entire day, I read the novelization and I acted out every single character, including Leia. And so, will
0: you do that for us? <laughs> Can we no, do that?
2: Maybe in another podcast. Yeah. Ooh, no. Okay. Um,
0: we'll take this ass. off of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had to like cool, and it totally we worked.
2: You know, they were probably too young to know this. Series or know much about it mm-hmm. uh, this was nineteen ninety six they were they were in second grade, so it was before the prequels mm-hmm. had revived interest in a whole new generation so I don't assume they even know that knew this tale yeah, and they sat quietly on the edge of their seats, you know frightened in the right places, moved in the right places, you know, laughing in all the right places, and that's the universality of this story of these myths.
1: Absolutely.
2: And that was just- It's not
1: just a simple story of good and evil. It's not. Anybody who says that doesn't really.
2: Not at that all. That. I mean, look at, look, look at Vader. I mean, he is exactly like these more um, postmodern um, mm-hmm. villains, yep. you know, like, like in Game of Thrones. He is, you know, the union of light and dark, yep. of good and evil.
1: He's the antihero.
2: Um, Yes, exactly. Um, you know, there is that scene. It's such a subtle uh, thing. Um, um, but there's that scene um, um, you know, in the hallway um, on, in on Endor, when the father and son have a confrontation and you know, they fight and they both have different ideas of what the son's destiny should be, right? And when it's, and when it's over, um, Darth Vader leans over the railing and sighs. He does this deep exhale, you know, and... it's like a dad. Son, like a dad. <laughs> Sons have been troubling their fathers since the beginning of time. And it's so relatable. It's so universal, right? He's not just a two-dimensional monster, no. you know? He's very he's tragic. A, he's not Sauron. Right? No, you know? he's not. You know, At he all. is in that moment, Colleen. You're right. He's just a dad, He's yeah. just a father. He is.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, we we don't say poor Anakin or poor Vader very often, but mm. in that moment, he's just like, damn it, Luke. Can you just listen
2: to me? Can you just listen Once? to your dad, One father, time. is best? Right, Listen you know, a, you're going to evil, be grandpa, grandpa. Over there, there. you are going to grow up. As long as you live under this roof, you are going to train in the dark side, and you are going to right. Yeah. Looks like as long as you no, I'm not, name. Dad. Right, <laughs> I'm going to change you, Dad. Like, oh yeah. shit. Right? <laughs> yep.
1: That's such a good way to look at it. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a, a series about relationships in the long run. Even yeah. Palpatine, who is this ultimate evil character, he has a lot of different relationships going on that he's cultivated and he's manipulative crazy manipulative but he also has a lot of arcs happening with different people he interacts with and he's he's not as three-dimensional as vader or anakin is but still every character in star wars has motivations and a reason to do things it's not like sauron in like you said the lord of the rings where i know the similar kind of goes into him and fleshing out his character but if you only read the lord of the rings you'd be like "Sauron's just the eye he's just this evil eye in the sky that we have to make sure doesn't get the ring whereas palpatine is like shit we have to be careful with this guy because he can actually manipulate anakin's super midichlorian skywalker like we need to worry about this and then you get characters like 3PO who come in and are like, we need this comedic relief because the seriousness of the story needs the comedy. Otherwise it also doesn't work. It gets way too self-serious. Yep. And thankfully we had 3PO and R2 in there to do that for us.
0: Right. Right. I mean, usually kids love movies about Senate meetings and taxes, but that <laughs> hadn't really happened yet. So that was very good. All to that banking
1: talk, internet. man, it's
0: yeah. riveting. And speaking of riveting, I kind of want to continue since we've kind of like slipped gently into the master and apprentice section, I wanted to flag that we kind of already answered a great question from Jedi Knight Anders Drew, who asked, quote, How skilled is Anthony Daniels to show so mm. much emotion when C three PO's face is unable to show any? No eyebrows, no mountain movements all from his body language and vocal. So I didn't want to lose the content mm-hmm. of that question, but is there, I feel like we sang those praises already. Is there anything else that we're missing Jeffrey or maybe? There's,
2: there's, um, I, uh, he does a head tilt yeah. when Ben Kenobi dies. It's subtle. It's, it's subtle. And if you, if you don't look carefully, you could miss it. But yeah, you know, he's he's grieving too.
0: Yeah.
2: He's grieving too. And yes, it's much harder for him to convey that um, you know, without you know, facial expressions. But you know, as I said before, he was trained in the art of mime. He, you know, he was um you know, he was trained as uh you know, classically trained as an actor, and he uses every every device in his you know at his disposal mm-hmm. to um you know to to force the humanity to peek out yeah. you know in that performance um you know I also want to, and I also want to just say um you know his character has this existential fear of being disassembled yeah. taken off. apart right droids are the slaves of yes. galaxy they have no rights and they're you know they're they're constantly at risk, you know, of losing control over their bodies. Right. right? And, um, so
0: perverse, Ugh. right.
2: It's incredibly perverse. And that's why I think it is, and I said this before, so moving when this is his greatest primal fear and his friend, his friend is in, injured and he's like, take, take, me take from my body, you know, mm-hmm. you know, rip me apart, anything to save, you, to save him.
1: Do you think that's why Chewie has a strong affinity for 3PO because yeah. of the slavery aspect, just because Chewie's always looking out for 3PO and great putting point. him back together.
2: It's a great point. And he's not the only one. I mean, Luke, to Luke's Luke credit, too. here he is. Luke is this powerful space samurai, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens on um, Tatooine um, after they've defeated the, you know, the Sarlacc, you know, the, the hit in the monster, you know, what's it called? Mm-hmm. Is it called the Sarlac? This the thing the in the pit? pit? The, the Sarlac yeah Sarlacc 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 monster, the Monster. Right? Yep. They've defeated yep. him. They've defeated Job of the Hut. And mm-hmm. and the droids are in the sand and they have a and what does Luke say to Lando? Don't forget yeah. the droids. Don't forget the droids. No. Go
1: back for the droids. Yeah. Go back for them.
2: Go back for our people. For, for our, our people. people. For our people. Yep. For our friends. They are yeah. they are as as human as we are and their mm-hmm. lives are as important as we are.
0: And, you know, the fact that you're saying this and in light of me, I had really wanted to watch C-3PO's last moments, at least in the in in the movies. Right. And to the point where Anthony Daniels disappears into the role because he is the role. They are one in the same. Mm -hmm. And to the extent the acting is done how it is. I I posit that one of the only times if not the only time we see C3PO like twitch like a robot is when he is forced to read a sith weapon despite his code for the group so that's the only time mm. he is not and his himself. eyes go red
1: kind of yes, yes. Is
0: when he is taken when his core essence is taken mm. over that is the only time he has a robot and that's still a human in there it's beautiful
2: that's brilliant sarah i yes. never realized that that's exactly yeah, right you
0: don't believe it's a human how is that possibly mm-hmm. a human in there
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's just so, so attuned with the role yeah he, he knew in that moment probably he's like this needs to be different it can't yep. be 3po because it's not really 3po anymore exactly exactly also really sad.
0: <laughs> exactly i mean fortunately spoiler alert right so we can all feel better he comes back however we philosophically approach what back is you know um certainly that's certainly worth a pod discussion it's in, in its own right but before we get to Anders's second question, I wanted to ask Jeffrey, since we've had a chance to kind of probe your mind, did you have any questions for Colleen and I that we haven't covered already? And it's okay if the answer is totally no. It could be yes, no, maybe so.
2: Yeah, so um, I would love to know um, because I think relatability is one of the is one of the essential ingredients in any story. Mm-hmm. I want to know you know who what other characters you find relatable mm. and why.
1: Ooh. Yeah. That's an excellent question. You're going to make me pull a <laughs>
0: Colleen, so I'm going to let Colleen go first unless you Ooh. need me to go first Colleen cuz that
1: is a superb mm. question. It really it's a really good question. This relatable like
2: I relate to them exactly, or or, or? or that you could imagine that many other people hmm. do.
1: I would say, hmm, Ahsoka, probably, mm-hmm. Ahsoka Tano. The, the fish out of water, the new student, the new employee, trying to do their best, even though they're the intern, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, for Ahsoka, she's probably the unpaid intern, and she gets sent to go hang out with Anakin. Anakin doesn't want her there. I think that is really relatable. Just the kind of growing pains, the growing pains from being 14 and then having to jump into the workforce and be this... Amazing person at your job, like instantly. An amazingly
2: talented woman who isn't wanted in the company of a powerful man.
0: I have no idea that, how to relate to that. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I That's
0: don't so know
1: how to relate to that, that though. No one does. I mean, to Obi Wan's credit, he is like, "Yep, here's Ahsoka. She's yes. great. Anakin should teach her. She's wonderful.
2: Story. Yeah,
1: yeah. And she's fantastic." And she's thank you, Dave Filoni, once again. And spunky, right. and speaks her mind, and. She still, though, has a lot of growing up to do, which I think helped her character a lot. And is, again, relatable. I talked about this in a a, a past pod about how people didn't like Ahsoka at first. And it's like, that actually speaks to how realistic she is as a character. And she was cut from the prequels. Yep.
2: From the films. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Just like... Yeah, you can't. I'm glad can't. that they, they brought her back though for Clone Wars because Filoni was the right person mm-hmm. to bring her to life. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. You can't meet Sansa
0: you, like you can't have a Queen of the North mm-hmm. until you mm-hmm. meet Sansa yep. Stark. Yep. Yeah, I don't you know what to tell you.
1: Ahsoka and mm-hmm. Rebels, unless she starts out as Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie, like you, yeah, that you can. But not as a main character, really. You have to watch that kind of progression. Because and then Luke she goes becomes the same thing too. Then
0: she just becomes a untouchable demigod, like yes. she's a goddess. Yeah.
1: Which is what people are having problems with with Ray. They mm. throw a lot of shit at Ray for just being automatically awesome, and it's like, well, she's been living on a fucking
2: desert planet her entire <laughs> life. She's a.
1: See
0: you there, we go. many glasses of wine? There we go. Yeah, so <laughs>
2: That is a great point. And if you look at Dune, the hmm. classic sci-fi yep. masterpiece, Yeah, Paul Atreides can do no wrong. Like, well, I was thinking about the Sardaukar. Mm. Why are the Sardaukar such fearsome warriors? Because mm. they were trained on a totally inhospitable planet. Yep. Right? Yep. Just like the Frenin. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. And you know, that's a great point about Ray. It makes sense. Fabulous defense of Ray that I haven't heard yeah. before. I he too be was bothered by the fact that I didn't see a rigorous training montage like Luke had on Dagobah. Mm-hmm. And I yep, too yep. questioned, you know, are you know, are there filmmakers cheating? Right. Because her power doesn't seem to be earned. But you right. make a great point I, I think been training her like whole life blood, she just didn't know it. She exactly kind
1: of, she's more like an empath where she can kind of her one scene with Kylo where she basically learns mm-hmm. how to twist his mind control back at him I think mm-hmm. that's just like her extra Jedi superpower like Mace Windu has the Shatterpoint thing and Ezra has his empathic connection with people and animals I think that's just Rey's extra power that she's just intuitively able to take someone's power and and reuse it to her own. Siler kind of does the same thing in heroes. That's like his superpower that manifests. He can take somebody else's power and turn it around and use it himself. I think that's more what Ray is doing, but they didn't explain it. So it's kind of like, it seems like she's just automatically getting stuff that she should not be getting. Right.
0: Well then I'll answer this question by maybe bringing another point about Ray that I think is understated by saying I'm going to act a little bit like Colleen because this is something that I'm working on and I don't want to like spoil it at all. (laughs) But it is important for me to flag here that I think D.O., the character, Mm -hmm. that tiny little droid, Mm -hmm. he is one of the most relatable characters in the Mm -hmm. entire Star Wars canon. Left behind by Mm -hmm. someone either performing a task that they were fine with doing or should not have been doing Mm -hmm. in a time of war don't touch me. I don't know you. That doesn't mean that I'm a victim. It just means you don't have consent to touch me. When did you ask me? Like, no. Mm -hmm. And if you're really a hero, may I have my squeaky wheel fixed pretty Mm -hmm. please? And Mm -hmm. if you do, if you actually address what the squeak is and you actually fix the problem, I will follow you into battle, ma'am. Let's yeah. get this done. Yeah, you have to
1: prove your. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I think him. that tiny, insy little droid Ooh. that Poe Dameron had the unvarnished audacity to call Conehead mm. is an understated hero. And I can't wait to talk about Dio a little bit further. He's so that's a, a great question. He's such a sweetie. Colleen, why don't you pose Anders' second question?
1: Is this the one? Mm. Yeah, this one is about the good. phase. Yeah, yeah the mm. phase. Yep. So, 3PO has been through a lot. Which phase, quote unquote, phase of his life do you think is his favorite? <laughs> Just poor 3PO. Yeah, this, poor guy. Does 3PO have a favorite stage of his life? Like, let's say all of his memories were. And put it back into him. What would be his favorite
2: phase? Oh, it's there's there's no question about it. Um, and it, and Anthony Daniels and C3PO are indistinguishable. You know, on this point, it is when he becomes, for a moment, a deity. He becomes God, and he gets to put Harrison Ford in his yes. place after you know uh, after suffering so many verbal. You know taunts and japes and jests. Um, he gets to put Harrison Ford in his place and uh, and become a, a god for a moment. And he's a benevolent god. You yes. know what does he do with his power? He just tells a, an awesome story. Yeah. Saves and saves his friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Like Han, you're gonna get eaten. Just be nice for
2: yep. like five seconds. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep.
0: And I think, frankly, closing out on him having his godlike moment is like a great place for us to close out the interview but are there any other closing thoughts before i kick us off uh for our final closing remarks what do you guys think i feel great this is great I what a great.
1: blast i just feel so, much so badly that anthony daniels feels like that he's been neglected. yeah yes. i feel terrible about that because he created one of the most iconic characters in film history. You see, we we talked about this. You see that gold figure coming at you. You know who it is immediately. Immediately. You don't need anything else. It's just right there.
2: I'd like to jump off that and make this my final remark. Yes. I, I think that, um, he went on a journey and he did feel that way when the film came out. And, um, there's a scene in the book. Um, he and Lucas meet again in mm. London over croissants, of course, um, after the film comes out, and Daniels is vulnerable with him and tells him, "This is how I feel. I feel like um, you didn't appreciate me or respect me, you know, or or my performance, and I feel yeah. like you conflated." The problems with the suit, with
0: me—that
2: mm. uh, mm. you know that that you that you and others took it on me. Mm. Right? You know the, the actor inside the suit. That the suit, you know, um, was cumbersome and difficult. Right. Exactly. And you know, I just want to hear it from you, George. Um, what you thought about my performance? And Lucas says. You we were terrific, and Daniel says, "Let me hear you say it again louder." And Lucas says, "You were terrific."
0: Oh my goodness! Oh man, he, is, out, and man. Yeah, he George, is
1: and was. Yeah, he is. George gets it right a lot of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does appreciate the people who worked with him and for him. Like,
2: yeah. And didn't Daniels get cosmic justice in the end? Because it is he who is the lone actor Survivor. to appear in all mm-hmm. nine films.
0: Yep.
1: hmm Yep. Yep. He has just longevity. People mm-hmm. will always
2: remember mm-hmm. 3PO. People, he says in the book that um, people come up to him today and say, um, I was bullied as a child, or I didn't know where I fit in. And you, I, you know, you spoke to me and I related to you and um, you know, you, your role meant so much to me and, and this film, you know, and the way it brought, you know, me together with my family, the way it was a reference, a common reference for us, a reference point for all of us, a, a shared language, a shared experience that that, you know, was priceless to me. And he says in the book that he has never tired, you know, of hearing that. And he's so happy that um, he and his friend, he calls C3PO his friend, you know, were able to do that for people. And that's, that's the gift of acting yeah. and, and, of,
1: you bring joy. and of
2: writing and of painting yeah. and of podcasting. That's really the gift, right? It is. It oh, really, really
1: is. People who create art are just trying to put a little of themself out there and hope that somebody else listens or watches or sees it.
0: Absolutely. And so with that, I have to say y'all join us again next week to geek out together on our next chosen topic. Until then, please subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars or any nerdy topics for that matter, frankly, know about BGS and where they can find us. It literally does make an algorithm difference and Mm -hmm. it makes an autonomy difference for us Mm -hmm. creators. Mm -hmm. Send us questions you want answered during the Master and Apprentice section or if there's a cool Star Wars tidbit you think we should include by emailing us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com following us and reaching out to us on Twitters at Geek Studies and Instagram at Bohemian Geek Studies. And just frankly, y'all getting deeper involved in our shared geeking community in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. Thanks so much. Savers up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody.